Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to our community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you're here today. You know, depending on where you are in the world, school probably just started back again or will be starting soon. And it's true. I was very sad when I did not need to buy new crayons for my girls starting school anymore. I love the smell of new crayons. (laughs) Maybe you do too. Well, the smell of new crayons may not make the thought of back to school any more enjoyable for you or your children. Have you struggled with your child crying at school drop-off? Or has your child experienced serious distress during the day at school? Well, either of these are really so hard to know what to do and how to support your child. So here to talk about drop-offs and crying and how difficult it is are really two of the best. Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, is here with me. Hi, Lynn. Welcome back. Why, thank you, Stacey. Good to be here. And we also have with us Dr. Susie Youngquist. Dr. Susie is special to us because she invited connected families to come in and be flatmates with her business, Revolution Chiropractic. We rent space in their building. Well, she's doing amazing work in the holistic medicine field, but that's not why she's here today. When we talked about this topic, Lynn said... If we tackle it, we have to invite Susie. So Susie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Stacey. It is just awesome to get to be with you ladies today on this really, really special topic that's so near and dear to my heart and life experience. So maybe I'll let you just start off the show. When Lynn said we have to have Susie, Hmm. why did she share that? We'll let you share the story in the background. Yeah, absolutely. And I just can't say enough about the work that you guys do here locally to us Minnesotans, but globally all around the world. I know the discipline that connects to your child's heart has been just really an epic book that has changed our parenting journey. So we just really have loved the work that Connected Families is doing and and really just support the mission that you guys are on. So thank you for all the work that you do. We have been recipients of it for 12 years now, if you can believe that. So yes, why Lynn wanted me to be on this podcast is because I came to her in desperation about eight years ago when our beautiful and precious son, our firstborn son, Ethan, was transitioning into school. It was rip your heart out, blood curdling cries. I like nothing had prepared me for how hard it was going to be for him. And this topic really can challenge a marriage. So part of our coming to Lynn, I don't know if it was marriage counseling (laughs) family counseling, all of the above, but we, my husband and I sat before her and just poured our hearts out because we didn't have the tools to help our son, Ethan, or we didn't think we had the tools. And so she lovingly sat with us and really coached us through what was going on with Ethan and how to, first of all, recognize his needs and recognize 
the intensity of the life that we were living because it was a lot and modify things so that we could meet Ethan's needs and get him integrated into school in a, in a better way. So that's a, like a nutshell version. Um, Ethan is now 12. And so he's headed into sixth grade and I can, I can tell you that he is the easiest to get out, out the door to school. In fact, he is the one leading the rest of the kids. Like, come on guys, we got to go, 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 you know, get, getting water bottles, getting backpacks and, and, and really supporting the rest of our kids to get them out the door. So investing like in where your kiddo is at and like slowing down and taking the time to meet them where they're at, I promise it will, it will pay dividends in the years ahead. So I just want to encourage parents with that because I know in the heat of the moment, it is very stressful. So yeah. And we now have four kids. So, um, three of them are school age. Ethan is our oldest. And he was, by the way, he was born at 28 weeks. So he was considered a micro preemie and just three pounds and five ounces. He really needed a lot of support neurologically when he was developing. And so that was another piece of his story. He's our oldest. And then we have Eva, who is almost nine, headed into fourth grade and Emmanuel. He's five headed into kindergarten. And then we have our caboose is Ellie and she's one and a half, not in school yet, but it's it's cute how those, those little siblings want to do everything that the big ones do. So hopefully it'll be easier once Ellie gets into school, but Honestly, with all three of our older kids, we have dealt with separation anxiety at kind of all spectrums. So I'm I'm really happy to press into this conversation today and just offer insight and wisdom that we've implemented as a family. A lot of it is just learning as you go and yep. and learning your kids and onboarding wisdom of a community like you guys. Yeah. Oh, so that's that- good. Well, that's why we invited you, Susie, because we know you had a wealth of experience in this topic. And it's always so nice to talk to somebody who's on the other side of it. Now, I know you have smaller kids too, but I'm sure you feel like you've got a pretty good tool belt to deal with this. Let, let me start off asking the question to, to Lynn and you, Susie, what feeds the fear of school and drop-offs and, and what is a parent to do? Well, certainly a sensitive temperament can be a factor. If kids are just emotionally sensitive and have inherently bigger sensitivities to the sensations of feelings within their bodies, but often this comes with sensory sensitivities as well, because a child can just have a sensory processing system that's more reactive. Sensations come through bigger, more intensely bumping them can be more upsetting. And so if this is what a child experiences when they first go to school, it can be really overwhelming, not to mention all the auditory and the the visual stimulation of it. I had a, a friend who was an aunt to a little girl in kindergarten. And my friend who is very sensory sensitive said, what are we doing to children in school these days? And she was an adult and could feel her, (laughs) her fight or flight system as she just even talked about it. I can imagine that many kids feel so overstimulated when they're walking into a new school building. How can a parent help a child with that? 
Well, it really helps to not bring a child in in the midst of the crush. (laughs) So we're talking mostly about really young kids here. So bringing that child early, avoiding that chaos, and also giving them a transition item, something to focus on while they're walking into the building. So it might be every day after dinner, they draw a little picture to bring to their teacher the next morning. And they're carrying that in and they're looking at this cool thing they made as they walk in. Also, just doing big muscle activities can really prepare kids. I say that a lot, but you know, if it's Sunday school drop off, go up and down the stairwell a couple of times singing a silly song and that big muscle and I'm producing fun noise will really be calming to a child's nervous system. And then if there's a focus activity when they arrive, like maybe they go off to the side and read a book, or they have a special thing where they're helping the teacher with something, something where they can focus on something that's calming to them. I know that Susie, you have a little bit of a story about how you were the transition item for your little Emmanuel. Do you want to share about that? Yes. So we have our Emmanuel, who is currently five, but when he was four, we enrolled him in a three-day, full-day pre-K class. And we came to learn that that was too much for him. He, after about two weeks of school, he did not like school anymore. And he did not want to go back and he just wanted to stay home. And so my husband and I strategized on how we could successfully integrate Emmanuel into school because he, his teachers were reporting that he actually was having great days. Once he got into the classroom and was integrated in, he was a great student. And and so we ended up transitioning him from a three-day to a two-day full-day pre-K class. And my husband and I made an agreement that we would go in, one of us would go in with him as we brought him to school. We would actually spend the first 30 minutes of his day with him by being the teacher's helper. And so after about six weeks of doing that, Emmanuel successfully transitioned into pre-K and we did not even need to continue being the teacher's helper after about six weeks. So that was one strategy that worked so well for our family. And he's excited to go to kindergarten, which we're thankful for. Yes. I love that because it was like, it was a half hour investment of your time once a week because you traded off, but it really set him up for the, the belief that, oh, school is really safe and fun. And so that's kind of like a lifelong belief. Then that investment was so worth it. That's a great story. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is good. Let me just ask about, you know, you you said it was after 2 weeks all of a sudden you started hearing I do not like school. How did that stress come out? Was he angry? Like I could see parents misinterpreting the messages and the way their kids are talking about it and thinking, "Oh, you just don't want to and you have to do something you don't want to." So, just comment on that real quick. Yeah. Well, he would get really sad. He would be angry, but then he would, he would get really sad about school. And I could tell that it was a genuine sad, you know, that he, he really did not want to go. And it's kind of funny because we actually had his teacher to our home as school let out for the summer. We had a big class party. And so she got, she got to come to Emmanuel's house. 
And she came up to Rob and I, and she said, no wonder he never wanted to come to school because he just wanted to stay home. We, we live on an acreage and there's always, you know, things to do like ride ATVs and, and jump Uh on the trampoline and whatnot. So I think that I could tell, you know, he, he didn't want to leave home. He wanted to just be home because that's what he knew. And yet it was like the genuine sad cry, not the the rebellious defiant. It was like, mom, listen, I'm, I'm really trying to be truthful with you. Right. Um, And, and Lynn, maybe you could comment that because even if it was a rebellion, what I'm getting at is how can parents identify the, the stress and what's going on as anxiety and sensory and all these things when it could sometimes come out in all different ways? Well, it's really interesting because, you know, kind of another aspect of it, of what can cause challenges is if there's stress or difficult situations at school with teachers or peers. But in any event, whether or not there is, you can help your child to verbalize or not verbalize necessarily, but communicate what's going on by doing some symbolic play with dolls and stuffed animals. And you can, you know, set one aside as the teacher and here's the student and these little minions over here, those are the classmates. And and then you play it out and maybe you're the teacher at first, or he's he's the teacher and you just sort of have fun with it. And you see what scenarios develop. A child's language is play. And so engage on that level. You're much more likely to, to find out what's going on on the surface than you, if you just sit your three or four year old down and go, Oh, could you tell me all the emotions that you are experiencing during your day at preschool? You know? (laughs) So that's just a a thought. uh, If you are concerned and you're not sure what's going on under the surface. There we go. Yeah. I like that. And then in order to do that, we stay curious, right? Mm. So stay curious, but no matter what, how it's coming out and whatever it sounds like, and if they were okay last week, but they're not okay this week at preschool, stay curious. And I love that idea of playing with dolls and toys and digging deeper into what's going on under the surface. Okay, Susie and Lynn, I'm going to go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue on with this conversation and just talk about other ways to help prep our kids as we're going into preschool. Have you ever wondered, is it normal for a young child to cry at daycare or preschool drop-off? Well, first off, yes, it's normal. It's normal for your young child to cry at daycare or school, particularly when you drop them off. Well, I'm sure that eases some of your minds, and if it does, you must check out this week's blog post, which we send out in our Thursday Parenting Tips email. It is so good, and it is for you if you have had drop-off anxiety or also distress during the school day. In fact, this week's email includes 16 tips to help your child detach without crying at drop-off. Here's one of the ideas under the category of make life more predictable. It's this, make a weekly calendar with pictures of key people your child will see throughout the week to help him anticipate events. 
I think that idea is so doable and that is definitely something that I know you have come to appreciate about connected families. Doable ideas that actually help. Well, actually this idea was also helpful for our guest Susie's son who we're hearing from today in today's podcast. We'll get the other 15 ideas when you sign up for our weekly parenting tips email. Go to the show notes and sign up today. All right, we are back after the break, and we have Dr. Susie Youngquist with us and Lynn Jackson, co-founder of Connected Families, and we're talking about the difficulty and the crying around drop-off, particularly preschool, but, you know, it could be church or with babysitter or whatever it is. We're talking about what feeds that fear of separation. And so let's move into, we have a couple of more, but the next one we want to talk about is family stress. And maybe you could set that up, Lynn. Yeah, just the more chaotic a family schedule is, you know, lots of different caregivers, a child doesn't know when they're going where or what's happening. And there's a feeling that you're just all on this treadmill of stress that really impacts a child, especially if like bedtimes are chaotic too. And so they go to sleep stress, they sort the memories from the day with a mindset of stress, they wake up a little stress, and now it's time to go off to who knows where. (laughs) So that kind of dynamic really um, hinders quality, joy-filled attention from a parent, which is really what these kids of any age, but particularly these young kids really need. Susie, I hear you have a story about that, about, about calendars and scheduling. I know you are a very busy family. You run a very big business. Tell us your story. Oh my goodness. Well, again, I sought out Lynn's help about eight years ago when I was a new mom, a newer mom, and Yes, had my own business and Rob is also self-employed. So a lot of a lot of moving parts to our life. We didn't know any different though. We just thought this is this is life and you know <laughs> we're tough and we got this, but that doesn't fly with young children. And we also at that time had I believe it was two or maybe three different care providers throughout the course of the week. And Ethan, our son, what, four or five-year-old at that time, was going to preschool. And so Lynn pointed out, she just point blank asked us, you know, what does a week look like? How many different individuals take care of Ethan during the week? And so we we combed through our life and, and identified that Ethan needed uh, more simplicity. And uh, that was that was very true. He also needed to know what to expect. And so Lynn gave us this idea of creating a calendar, as you just said, Stacy, with uh, pictures of his care providers and what would happen that day. Was it a school day? Wasn't it a school day? You know, it seriously was a genius idea for him because we mapped out really his whole month. And we we had Velcro faces and kind of color-coded different days. And that provided a lot of comfort for him because he could anticipate, you know, not even the next day, but even like the next week and just different events that were going to happen. And that was meeting a need that 
I, as his mom, didn't even realize he needed that. He needed to know what's coming. What can I anticipate? And so that was very helpful. And, and over time, we were able to simplify to just one childcare provider who knew the comings and the goings and the dynamics of all of our kids. Yeah. So thank you for that, Lynn, because that really was a very helpful visual that we kept right in Ethan's room so he could see it when he got up in the morning and, you know, before bed at night. Yeah. And that gives a chance at night too to tell, you know, to just build the anticipation of having fun with that person the next day, reflecting on fun that they've had previously, something they love about that person. So you can you can bookend the day with positive thoughts about the people that he's going to connect with that next day. That's good. So the next one that we want to cover is just appearances own anxiety or guilt around this. You mentioned your your busy schedule and then needing to simplify. I think at the top of the show also, you just mentioned about how difficult it is when our kids really struggle at drop-offs. You talked about even in your own marriage and how you deal with it and, you know, is my way right or wrong or just am I doing the wrong thing and should I have not put them in? Am I causing forever damage to my child. And we know that parents think about all of these things. So Lynn, why don't you talk about that? And then I know Susie has another story. Especially if there's external circumstances that have made life a little tougher for that kiddo. It's so easy to just feel burdened by their anxiety instead of seeing it as, okay, this is something that they can learn and grow through and I can support them. You know, we end up believing and sort of communicating these messages of, well, if you should be upset. I'm doing this terrible thing by leaving you. Oh, this is awful. And our face shows that we think it's awful. And so just being able to shift to that mindset of, oh, buddy, this is really hard and sad right now, but I know you're going to have a good time today. And then you know, that kind of a confident transition can help a lot. So Susie, I know this was really a a significant piece of faith journey for you as you worked through some of these issues. Yes. Well, any trial like this is definitely going to grow our faith journey. So I would just encourage parents to to lean into this don't don't shame yourself for what you or your child are going through and really by leaning into it and and gaining tools and trying to understand your child better it will set you and your child up for long-term success and ultimately that that has been our experience with Ethan who is 12 years old today and again he was the most uh, troubling child to drop off but today he is he's amazingly integrated into the whole social culture of school and teachers and friends and whatnot as far as how this built my faith in the early years i really struggled with guilt because ethan came so early And I felt as his mom, just protective of wanting to make sure he had all the tools that he possibly could to, to thrive and to succeed. So when I saw him struggling, it, it was this natural, you know, my heart was torn and I thought, you know, how do we do this? And so just leaning into the Lord and trusting his voice to lead you in the moment 
And I will say my, my husband was fantastic at, we learned over time that we had to keep the mood high and fun and upbeat. And that included like, you know, playing music and just doing fun things in the morning to keep the mood high. And over time, the Lord absolutely grew my faith in just trusting the process, trusting that these little kids, they, they have the tools they need to succeed. Sometimes we have to just tune into their frequency and wavelength to really enable them to thrive. And also it allowed me to lean more on my husband who didn't have all the gushy mom emotions that I was going through to be that strong kind of, you know, the one to pick things up and keep moving along. So I would say that it ultimately did build our marriage also. I love to play. It's not always the dad that's extra playful, but in my case, it definitely is also. And it kind of leads into how I want to end our podcast today. And that is that, you know, we started off with talking about how sensory sensitivities cause dysregulation, especially in this area of drop-off for preschool. So you just mentioned one play, but Lynn, do we have more ideas on how parents could prep a child's nervous system with more connection and play before drop-off? Oh, for sure. There's a couple of kinds of play that are really helpful uh, in this situation. And one is called power reversal play, where the adult plays the clumsy, inept, kind of bungling person that makes the child seem strong, wise, and competent. You know, so, you know, at school, you might pretend to not know where their classroom is or call their teacher by a silly name, not the real name. So the child has to correct you. No, 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 mom. It's not Mr. Miss McGillicuddy. It's Mrs. Smith. Oh, 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 right, right, right. You know, so that the child starts their day feeling confident. And that's a really key piece because the child feels unconfident and they feel insecure if they're having difficulty at treat at drop-off. So power reversal play is super helpful. And then you can also play pursuit games where you're chasing after the child or you're playing peekaboo. You know, it's I see you, oh, I'm gone. I see you, I'm gone. So you're sort of practicing that separation come together, separation come together, could be hide and seek. And those kind of games really communicate I'm wanted and Mm. I'll see them again. So that can be helpful. Uh, And then just some playful illustrations. Like there's a book called The Invisible String. And I was looking on Amazon today and man, that thing's got like almost 12,000 reviews that are almost five stars, you know? And it's about how there's a love string that's invisible, but it's very real that connects people. So you can kind of play with that and have the child, you know, tell you to back up. And is the love string still, still there between us? Yes. Oh, what if I come up closer? What if I go back all the way across the room? So you play with that concept outside of the time of transition. And then, you know, maybe at school, then you can say, oh, is our love string solid right now? And well, send me back away. So the child is kind of sending you away and you're winking and, you know, making facial expressions about the loves, you know, gestures about the love string. And so just things kind of like that, that can be helpful. As Susie mentioned, you know, the music in the car, just connection rituals that are part of every morning can be really helpful. And 
and maybe the last five minutes before you get in the car, you just sit with your child and you watch them play whatever they want. And you just talk about what they're doing. So they're gaining this confidence of, I can play all by myself. I don't need mom. She just watches or dad. So those are just some thoughts. And then of course, we're connected families. We want to pass on God's grace and truth. So just have a, a joy-filled prayer of blessing before you get out of the car, that, that God would just show his love to your child and that that child would be a blessing to others in the classroom. So those are some kind of quick thoughts about how to really maximize that playfulness, connection, and the sense of your strong love with your child, whether or not you're with them throughout the day. Susie, what was one of your just favorite ways to send your kids off to preschool? Um, Mm. Maybe one of the ones that Lynn just mentioned or one that you did? Yeah. Well, our kids love music. And so in the mornings, it is our routine to pray as a family. So we, you know, whoever's driving the kids to school, they, they have the rest of the family who's at home on speakerphone. And we, we do our family prayer and it always ends by putting on, you know, the armor of God. So kind of, you know, big muscle movements. Um, And then of course the kids are so excited to be done praying so that they can turn on, you know, their favorite music. And so we usually, if we have enough time in the car, we'll let them each pick a song. And that really just heightens the mood and gets them, you know, encouraged and upbeat to start their day. Yeah. My boys like, you know, beats and fun kind (laughs) of, uh, you know, Christian rap type music, whereas my daughter's a little bit more melody and whatnot. So we kind of got, we have to work with the the desires, but the goal is that everyone is, by the time they get out of the car, they're, they're ready. They're happy. They, it was a predictable ride to school, which is super helpful. So that the car ride to school was always a, a big one for us. I love it. I just really love it. And I love Lynn, how you mentioned, even in that prayer, that just praying for your kids to be a blessing. And that that's just so important for who we are as connected families and what we teach, what we believe about ourselves is that we are called to be a blessing to others in the world and to give our kids that vision as they go off. Like who, who needs a friend today? I, I just love that. Susie, thank you so much for being with us today. Yes, it was my honor. Now you can see why I said we have to have Susie. <laughs> we we had to have Susie. She was a expert in this subject, but I actually know Susie, you are an expert in many other subjects around health. You're a chiropractor. We're going to have a link to your clinic in our show notes. Thanks for being with us today. Lynn, thank you again for being with us today too. That was my privilege. Love all that Connected Families is doing and just thank you guys for this ministry and this work. It is it is life-changing and family-strengthening. So thank you. Keep going. Thank you. Thanks for that. Well, thank you all for tuning in today, friends. We are a listener-supported organization. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. Don't miss out on the Thursday Parenting Tips email. This week's email, it has great tips around helping with difficult preschool drop-offs. Well, to sign up for the Parenting Tips, go to our show notes. And for more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I will see you next time. 